The parish likes to, to look at kind of the bigger picture. A priest is an altar Christus. They just go, go, go. In the zeal full of Jesus Christ. There is compassion for poor people. And it has this beautiful historic church. Heaven coming down to earth. Thanks be to God. From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. What if I told you about an organization that ran clandestine operations in the Soviet Union before the fall of the Berlin Wall, had a presence in Rwanda following the genocide there, formed a close relationship with a young bishop who would go on to be the Pope, and has gathered thousands of young people on multiple occasions in Europe and elsewhere? You'd probably think this group was affiliated with the United States government, the United Nations, NATO, the Red Cross, or something similar. At the very least, you'd probably think you would have heard of this organization before. But, unless you're from Europe, you may not even know their name. On this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, you'll learn about the Taizé community of Taizé, France. During Memorial Day weekend 2017, May 26th through 29th to be exact, the Brothers of Taizé, in conjunction with the Archdiocese of St. Louis and many other religious denominations and organizations in the St. Louis region, will host a pilgrimage of trust with the purpose of bringing together people of various backgrounds to help heal many of the obvious divisions that exist across our St. Louis community. Back in October 2016, I interviewed Brother Emile, who's one of the main organizers of the Pilgrimage of Trust St. Louis. Brother Emile shared some history of the Taizé community, the purpose of the St. Louis Pilgrimage of Trust, and ways you can be involved. Leading up to the Memorial Day weekend events, Many churches in the St. Louis area are holding prayer services and candid conversations on important topics. Visit pilgrimageoftruststl.com for more information. We'll also include a link in the podcast description. Also later in this podcast episode, I talked to Joe Kenny, a reporter with the St. Louis Review who recently attended one of the area prayer services and has an article about Teze in the February 20th through 26th, 2017 edition of the St. Louis Review. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Well, Taizé is the name of a very small village in central France. Uh, It's where the founder of the Taizé community settled in 1940. It's the beginning of the Second World War. Um, His name is Brother Roger. Uh, He died in 2005. Uh, His aim was to start a community uh, in the monastic tradition. So St. Benedict was a great inspiration, but also a community that would be, yeah, in touch with what's happening today. So a community for today. He didn't want just to restore something of the past, but really to live using the wisdom, drawing from the wisdom of these great founders of St. Benedict and others, St. Bernard. 
Um, and uh, that's what Teze was for, for about 20 years, was just the name of a community of brothers. And then towards the end of the 50s, early 60s, uh, young adults started coming to Teze, young people. So a whole new chapter opened up. Uh, it's a place where now about 100,000 young people spend a week every year. Uh, as I speak uh, now, there are about 4,000 young people uh, at Teze spending a few days. And uh, that was not expected. That was not expected. And so uh, a challenge that was there for the brothers was how do you pray with these people uh, from all over the world since prayer is at the center of our life. And that's how these short Teze songs were created. They have spread now pretty much all over the world. They're used a lot in the U.S. as well. But they didn't come out of just a, a desire to be creative <laughs> as musicians, but they came out of a need to find a way of praying with young people who cannot in a few days learn how to speak French and pray the psalms in French or, and so we use these short repetitive songs Our message to these young people who have spent a week with us has always been the same since the 60s go back to your local church go back to your parishes Tese is not a movement. We don't have members, just 100 brothers that are part of the community, but the 100,000 people who come every year, our message is always go back to your churches. But we realized fairly quickly in the 70s that many young people today do not have an experience of church. Uh, they think we're talking about a building or about simply a service on Sunday morning. They don't realize we're talking about church as, a, as the body of Christ, as a place of hope, a place of community. And so the idea came up that maybe the Teze brothers could also leave the small village of Teze in France and go prepare a large gathering lasting several days with all the churches of a city. So we started in Paris, 1978. I was a young brother then. We used the Notre Dame Cathedral, you know, the beautiful Notre Dame Cathedral as a place wow. of prayer, and another big church of Paris. And hundreds of parishes welcomed the young people. And there were two good discoveries. There was one, young people discovered what the church is, that there are so many interesting things happening in the church there every day. People trying to live faith, hope, and love every day. It's part of their life. It's part of their commitment also in the city, in the complexities of a city. And the second discovery was the older people in the church saying, young people want contemplative prayer, they want silence. We thought they wanted to be entertained, they wanted something more superficial. So there's this mutual discovery that pushed us to continue the pilgrimage of trust. Two years later we're in Rome, Pope John Paul gave us this wonderful welcome in Rome on several occasions, 1980, 1982, 1987. And we had been going secretly in Eastern Europe for many years under the communist days to try to support Christians. And after the wall fell, and just even just before the wall fell, we were able to organize meetings like this in Eastern Europe. And after the fall, even much more. Invitations came to do the, the same on other continents. In Asia, bishops from Asia wrote to us inviting us to do this. Um, and then Africa, South Africa, uh, just a few weeks ago in another Western African country, Benin, and uh, South America. 
In the United States, there was an invitation in the early 90s from the U.S. Catholic bishops that pushed us to do something in Dayton, Ohio. And we started again to do this a little bit more regularly in 2012. We started with DePaul University. Uh, Archbishop George had also invited us in Chicago. Uh, 2013, one of the most interesting things we've ever done was on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, where about 600 young people from 35 states came to camp for four days, welcomed by the Native Americans. The, the Tribal Council voted unanimously. They wanted this to happen on the reservation, that young non-natives would come and share their life for three or four days. They gave us a marvelous welcome. They donated two buffalo for the meal. We had wonderful uh, buffalo stew and the buffalo soup, uh, but it was especially this sharing and this prayer together that was marvelous. Archbishop Carlson, the Archbishop of St. Louis, heard about the South Dakota meeting because he was a bishop in South Dakota for some years. And he said, if a pilgrimage of trust, that's what we call these gatherings, pilgrimages of trust, if that can take place in South Dakota, sh shouldn't we have this in St. Louis? He was thinking especially what happened at Ferguson and, and the, the, you know, the, the crisis after Ferguson. And so we said, yes, we would be willing to come, in, but we think it would have more meaning if we could prepare it with all the churches in Archbishop Carlson agreed with that and so we've, we've been here for uh, uh, a couple of times now already uh, and, and trying to understand a little bit what the Pilgrimage of Trust could be in St. Louis, what do we have to be attentive to, how to prepare it. The idea came up, why not have a year-long pilgrimage? Why, why say this is just a preparation for an event that will take place in May 2017? Why not already now try to enter into the spirit of the pilgrimage by taking initiative. So we've been in many parishes now, parishes that have accepted to host an evening where there's prayer for maybe 35-40 minutes and then a conversation on trust. And on the Teze website there are questions and a text to help people who want to do this to give them a few guidelines and a few resources. And uh, I must say it's been quite marvelous uh, to see uh, people of many different backgrounds come together to pray together and to, to reflect together on what is required to build trust. One of our concerns was that, yes, there are many people who would like to heal some of these divisions, but they're not too sure where to start. The problem is so overwhelming. You know, and, and geography also has separated people. You know, that people live in a certain area of town, they don't get to meet people from another ethnic background. Uh, and so that's where Christians have to be creative. We are called to be people of imagination, of creativity, how to find these spaces where we can be together, become friends. And churches are prophetic in that way. No, they're, they're, they, try to, they try to be prophetic. Eh? They try to be a, a step ahead, a little bit of what's natural. Um, but it's, it's our faith that pushes us to, to, to go, to go out. And, and, uh, and so we've seen some people come from very different backgrounds. I was in Ferguson uh, for the first evening to launch the pilgrimage on the 29th of September, and I met there people who had come from St. Charles County, people who had come from different areas of the city, and, and they believed that they would be welcomed, and they were. You know, they were. There was, uh, churches can do that. Church can, churches can be this safe place where we can have this conversation, and the prayer that we have before prepares our hearts you know, to, be, to be people seeking healing, not, not just to prove our point, but to, to, to be open to others. And so um, we have been having these evenings where we have uh, the prayer, but the, the conversation also, in the, we've been supplying two or three questions for, for every month. And so the questions, for example, for the month of November have to do with listening. 
how can we learn to listen? Because we experience reality in very different ways, depending on where we live. And sometimes it's hard to imagine how someone living in another situation experiences reality. A lot of the misunderstandings come from there. We think we're talking about the same thing, but we are not. Sometimes we're talking about different realities. And so that's one of the things that people seem to be responding to very well here is this, uh, this call to listen get to know what's the experience of, of the other person. So word is getting out all over the country that there's, there's going to be this pilgrimage of trust in St. Louis over Memorial Day weekend, so 26th to the 29th of May 2017. Uh, we are expecting groups from all over the country, from Canada as well, maybe a few from, from other parts of the world. Um, St. Louis University has offered to host it, so uh, they've provided us with some wonderful space for prayer. We'll start with prayer on Friday night, Friday 26th of May. We'll have three prayers on the Saturday, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer. Uh, we will have some reflection on scripture, on the sources of faith, following morning prayer. And in the afternoon, uh, we will have workshops where we will draw from local resources, also people in St. Louis who who are signs of hope. There are so many good things happening in this city, also as people who are aware of the challenges, who are trying to be present. And it would be nice to have a, an opportunity to share those signs of hope, to expose young people to them. We've noticed that young people are not really helped if you just tell them there are lots of problems in the world. That doesn't help them. It kind of crushes them. But they don't want to run away from the difficulties, from reality, but they need to see that we can approach these realities from a perspective of hope. Some people are doing something already. Do you want to be part of those who are healing these divisions? And so that's what we'd like to, to do through the workshops. And uh, Sunday, we hope that the parishes will welcome all the participants for the Sunday morning uh, services, masses, and other churches will do the same. And there will be some type of prayer walk on Sunday afternoon throughout the city. Uh, all generations can be associated to that. And uh, evening prayer gone on Sunday. And Monday morning we have a half day. To, we won't take more than a half day to allow people to travel back to where they're coming from. But a half day to think about how to continue this pilgrimage of trust, where we live. So we'll probably meet by state. And maybe for those from St. Louis, we'll meet by points of interest. What aspect would you like to continue and be part of? Continuing. We're doing this in a spirit of pilgrimage. Pilgr we're calling it a pilgrimage trust for that reason. That it's a spirit of pilgrimage means you don't have the answers. When you're a pilgrim, you don't know where you're going exactly. You know, you you yes, you have a destination, but you don't really know what's going to be on the way. No, we know where we're, we hope to head towards trust and hope to head towards what can help us to live in peace with others but but how that's going to be possible well God will show us as we dare to begin all of us not just the Tizay brothers but all of us to dare be vulnerable to dare leave our comfort zones to be a little bit like people who, who go into situations with empty hands but who believe that when you dare to be poor in spirit as Jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit something of the kingdom of God emerges huh? kingdom doesn't mean life after death simply but it means something of God's life becomes accessible to many others we see something of God at work today eh? when we dare to go into situations where yes we don't have answers but our trust makes something possible
So we launched the Pilgrimage of Trust in October, end of September, throughout the month of October, with 11 different evenings where we had prayer and conversation on trust. And, uh, and the message that we uh, spoke at the end of each evening was to say, this can continue, you can take initiatives to do this in your parish. And so we are hoping that in the coming weeks and months, parishes will take the initiative to say, yes, we want to host uh, an evening. Perhaps no one's an expert in doing a prayer with Teze songs, but we've supplied some elements on the website where people can have a format for prayer. There are questions for the conversation on trust with the introductory text that helps people understand the spirit in which these conversations can take place. And so we're hoping, yes, people will have ideas and suggestions and, and take initiatives to organize this in their own, in their own parishes in the, in the coming weeks. The Tese brothers have been in the United States quite a lot in the last 50 years. We, we were living on the south side of Chicago in the 60s during the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, and then they went to Hell's Kitchen, New York City, just off Times Square, when that part of the city was very poor in the late 70s, early 80s, or throughout the 80s. Um, and since then, we have been accepting invitations uh, f from different different parts of the country. So 2012 was Chicago, 2013 South Dakota, 2014 was Texas. Last year we were on the East Coast. And when I was traveling on the East Coast last year, Archbishop Carlson's letter came. And so I, I went from Ohio to see him and uh, spent just, just a couple of days here and returned earlier this year in, in February, March to spend a whole month just listening to people uh, from different churches to see what they thought about the idea of a pilgrimage of trust and what, what could it be. And, and, uh, and now we've spent another month second month uh, with these evenings launching these evenings. We'll be back in the spring uh, around mid-March and we should be available until the end of May, till the gathering is over, so will give us a chance to, to get to know many other realities of St. Louis and the surrounding area. When it comes to Eastern Europe, for example, um, it all started with one woman, Aniela Urbanovich, who, was, who had lost a child during the Second World War. And she, she, part of her family was Jewish. She was a Christian. She was a Catholic. Uh, but she said, there's no future for Europe without reconciliation. There's no future. So she had, even if she had lost to the Germans, the German armies, the Nazis, the, her, some of her own family members, she immediately went to seek reconciliation with Germans. And that's when she found out about Teze at the end of the 50s. And she said, uh, uh, she wrote a letter saying, there will always be place in my apartment in Warsaw for Teze. So in the early 60s, brothers started to go there. And uh, her apartment became the place where the Catholic MPs, members of parliament, would meet. There was a young Polish bishop who used to go there. His name was Karol Wojtyla, who became John Paul II. Uh, they were great friends also. Uh, she was a woman who believed that, yes, with very few resources, you can start. You can start. So when they were, had guests, she used to sleep in her kitchen. She would offer her bedroom, and she would sleep under the kitchen table just to show the degree of commitment she had. And now, in some countries, Teze is almost a household word. In, 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 in uh, Poland, for example, we've had hundreds of thousands of young Polish come to these pilgrimages of trust. Uh, uh, one gathering, several gatherings, but one that I remember was Vienna in 1992, just three years after the Berlin Wall fell uh, we had 100,000 people come and 60,000 were from Poland, 60,000 young people. Uh, it's because of such, such a woman, no? it's because of such people. Uh, uh, in uh, Poland itself, in 1988, we felt, yes, now it's possible. The, f the wall had not yet fallen, but we it's possible to have a 
pilgrimage of trust, a large gathering. And so we started to prepare under the communist regime in 1988. And the regime fell in February, uh, or a little bit later, and we were able to have the first pilgrimage of trust in Poland uh, under a democratically elected government. Uh, and, uh, and so, yes, it, the, the pilgrimage of trust has taken us everywhere in, in this spirit that when we visit each other, when these friendships are formed, when we pray together, when we search together, something much, much bigger than us can happen. Something much bigger than human power. It's God's spirit that's at work. And, and, uh, and that's what's allowed all these hundreds of thousands of young adults to, to be part of this pilgrimage. And some has been very challenging. In Rwanda, 2011, after the genocide, we were invited by the churches there to do a pilgrimage of trust. And we realized we cannot hardly use any words. The suffering is so great. No, but we, we were with them. Uh, we've heard this in St. Louis. I don't know if you would agree, but we've heard this in St. Louis a lot. You know, that we have to learn how to get out of a fix-it mentality. Fix it. We always want to fix things instantaneously. And yes, of course, we all want to work towards change, towards policy changes. All that has to be done. But we also learn how to, have to learn how to be just to be together and share the pain and, and uh, accompany each other and become friends and when that happens something of as I said earlier something of God's kingdom huh, can become accessible to us something of God's life becomes accessible and that's that's really the hope of this pilgrimage neglect policy and change of policy we should not neglect that but we should not neglect either the sources the wellsprings you know, that allow an inner transformation and that's the church has a lot of experience with that you know, the church through the sacraments through prayer through community we know that that's how we are transformed you know, there's something transformative in those Christian practices and and so our hearts first of all have to be healed also we have to become people of reconciliation inside before we can live it outside you know? and the, so there are these two components, really, the inner life and the human solidarity, they go together. I have the pleasure of once again welcoming esteemed St. Louis Review reporter Joe Kenny to the Catholic Gateway Podcast Studio to talk about his article on Taze in the February 20th through 26th, 2017 edition of the Review. If you are listening to this podcast because of that article, we're glad you followed through to this bonus content, if you will. And if you haven't read Joe's article, well, you should pause this episode right now and go read it at stlouisreview.com or the paper version. So, Joe, thank you for coming on the podcast again. No problem. Uh, before we get going, I do want to mention, uh, we have to make note that you've been at the St. Louis Review now for 34 years. 
Yes, I was a teenager. No. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a good, good place. That's right. for sure. Your anniversary was just uh, depending on when you listen to this. It was just in the beginning of February. I guess is the easiest way to say it, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But um, Joe, you were just at a uh, Taizé prayer service recently. Um, listeners on this to this episode of the podcast heard Brother Emil describe Taizé and the purpose of it and the weekend coming up in May. Uh, but what was that like to be at the prayer service? I want to get a little, give people a little flavor of what that was, what that experience was. Sure. Um, the reviews photographer Lisa Johnston and I went to New Northside Missionary Baptist Church, and it was a mixed group, and um, people really seemed to enjoy it. Uh, especially the members of the church there, they said they'd never experienced the quiet that they experience in the prayer service and some of the repetitive uh, songs they hadn't experienced that so it was real new to them and they and they appreciated it so that's kind of the unique thing about this is that uh, we're involving so many other religious denominations and organizations and churches in this it's not just catholics doing it Uh, we're we're trying to really reach out to the whole community Um, so that is that is neat to hear that they it appealed to them a little bit. They, they felt they felt drawn to it. Um, in addition to the prayer services, though, there were there was discussion, right? There right. Was a time for discussion afterwards. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about maybe some of the things you heard or, or some of the feedback you got? Yeah, they they broke off and and also saw a film about Taize and gave them some background about it. And then they broke off into small groups and they had a couple questions to discuss and. It was easy for people to, uh, even though they were of different backgrounds, they they melded together real well and formed kind of a bond, over, opening up, talking about their faith, and you know talking about how how they come together. So it was yeah. nice. And that that video, I believe, is up on the website, right? Pilgrimage of Trust STL dot com. Yes, yes. So if anyone's interested in watching that, go check that out. And uh, the questions as well are on that website, right? And these are. Uh, the point of this is to be real, make it a community thing. So if you're listening to this podcast and you missed out on, on the, the prayer service that Joe went to or or maybe another one you heard about, they're more listed on the website. And if you want to host one at your church, you can. It's intended to be like that where people take charge. The questions are on the website. Um, the, if you want to figure out more information or find more information about how to plan one of these, it's all there. So pilgrimageoftruststl.com. So, Joe, for somebody who hasn't read the article, um, what are they going to read in that? I mean, you're going to share some about the, the prayer service and, and the feedback from the conversation. Anything else that somebody should look forward to? Well, the to? focus is on how the people of different backgrounds come together and um, yeah, talk about issues that divide us as a city. And that's that's been really powerful for them to do that. And I think they've made, you know, in their own personal lives, made a little uh, progress on that. Yeah. And that is obviously something we've been dealing with in our region for uh, very cognizantly for several years now, but it's been, you know, it goes back uh, generations really. So it's uh, important that we, that we address these um, issues that exist sort of beneath the surface, if you will. Um, Joe, anything else we should share today about Taze and anything else you No, it's just those, those service, the service lasts about an hour and then they have an hour for the film and, and, you know, it's the short film and then discussion. So it's, Really, it's worth going to. It's, it doesn't take take too much of your time, and uh, I think the people there, everybody, seem to enjoy it a lot. Good. Well, again, more information can be found at pilgrimageoftruststl.com, or check out 
Like we said, Joe's article uh, on Taze in the February 20th through 26th edition of the St. Louis Review or online at stlouisreview.com. Joe, thanks again. Okay, no problem. Welcoming back on the Catholic Gateway podcast uh, is uh, Stephen Kemp here, uh, taking a break from production day. I know this is a busy day with Stephen uh, and the review staff, but uh, I appreciate the time to just give us a brief update on what people can look forward to in the St. Louis Review this week. So, Stephen? My, my pleasure. It's actually very easy to do that on production day because I'm right in the middle of it, you know, <laughs> so I know everything that's going on instead of trying to think, okay, what was that yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> You're right in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, so as you heard earlier in the podcast, Joe Kenny was at the Teze Prayer Service at New Northside Missionary Baptist Church. Um, it's one of many local events that are leading up to the, to the Pilgrimage of Trust in May, um, something that we're, we're all looking very much forward to. Um, our Living Our Faith this week is about the reparation to the two hearts, which is a devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's making a comeback here, thanks in part to the dedication of the Alliance of the Holy Family in St. Louis. And then another thing that we've been following for, for many weeks is Board Bill 203 and HB, the, the, the Missouri House Bill 174. And both of those are very nuanced, so I encourage everybody to, to go to St. Louis Review to get the, the latest details. Um, also, archscl.org to get the Archbishop's opinion and other things. But basically, Board Bill 203 would make St. Louis a sanctuary for abortion by adding to the city's anti-discrimination ordinance the reproductive rights aspects. And basically what that means is that there's a lot of ways that Catholics could be be, be accused of discrimination just by living out their Catholic faith. And so Archbishop Carlson has voiced strong opinion uh, opposition to that, and as Catholics we're, we're, we're fighting that. One of the things that's kind of a new development just this week is the Missouri House was considering Bill HB 174, and that addresses the rights uh, of free speech and the rights of individuals, which includes the right to religious freedom. And in some ways that could... Um, override what BB203 is trying to do. So, so we're kind of hopeful that that will, will pass. Absolutely. I encourage all Catholics to contact their Missouri representatives and encourage them to support HB174. And if you want more information, you can always look up the Missouri Catholic Conference. But they have plenty of information about this and uh, I've just sent out a, an action alert about it. So, yes. Or the St. Louis Review story. Absolutely. but Which will include the action alert from the Missouri Catholic Conference. Perfect. <laughs> Is that all, Stephen, then, for, in the St. Louis Review this week? There's, there's, pl- <laughs> there's, there's plenty of other things, don't get me wrong. But, yes, those are, the, those are the highlights that we're working on. Okay, great. And, well, to go back to the pro-life stuff, Teague Phillips the other day tweeted out uh, that there is no one in the, in the region, in the area, really in the state, that covers the pro-life or pro-choice issue as well and as, as thoroughly as Jennifer Brinker here at the St. Louis Review. Absolutely. So. We're very blessed to have her, and she does a great job for Catholics in our, in our archdiocese, telling them what they need to know and providing that proper context for why this is a, a good thing or this is a bad thing or what we need to do to support or, or, um, or just protect life and pray. Exactly. And having that perspective of a, a pro-life, uh, a pro-life perspective really is important. So, Absolutely. Stephen, thank you so much. And uh, check out the St. Louis Review online at uh, stlewisreview.com. We're starting something new on this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. You know that on the Catholic Gateway Podcast, you will hear interesting stories about the people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. 
But we wanted to add another dimension to the podcast besides just news, per se. So starting with this episode, we have added a short segment with Michael Horn from the Office of Laity and Family Life. On this and future episodes, Michael will share an evangelization tip that you can use in your daily life to help win souls for Christ and increase your own devotion. Here's Michael. Today's evangelization tip of the week is about the power of a personal invitation. In the last few months, I have come across a few articles and radio interviews that have been hard to read and hear. They have included a brief account of a fallen away Catholic explaining to others why he never went to Mass or came back to the Catholic Church. His reason was simple. No one ever invited him to go back to Mass. This is stunning to me. It is our duty as Catholics to invite others to the eternal banquet, the Supper of the Lord, in which we worship the living God and receive his body and blood. What could be more worthy of an invitation than attending the Sunday Eucharist? We are always ready to invite people to sporting events or concerts or dinners. Why can't we invite them to worship God with us? We all know people, friends and family members, who are inactive Catholics or who do not attend Mass as much as they should. When was the last time you invited one of these people to go to Mass with you? Ever? What do we have to lose if they say no? Nothing. How can someone see the beauty of Catholicism if we do not radiate joy or show excitement in approaching the altar? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review there on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram under the handle, at St. Louis Review. That's ST Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis. Music